Hi, my name is Andrew Bolton, and this is the Pros and Content Podcast. I'm the Chief Client Officer here at Notch, and on the Pros and Content Podcast, we'll be featuring a series of truly remarkable content leaders who believe in storytelling and who have different perspectives on the importance of measurement, scalability, and the optimization of content. Mallory Russell is the Head of Content Marketing at Square, where she deploys content across the entirety of their marketing funnel. Mallory joins Pros and Content to shine some light on how her work allows people to understand what Square is about and how they can be of service beyond what's achievable with traditional tactics. And she talks about how it's been especially necessary during a time when businesses of all sizes have a lot of questions. Mallory has an endless number of stories to tell, as exemplified by the work she's done at Square. And we're thrilled she's with us to share a few. We hope you enjoy. Hi, uh, I'd like to welcome you back uh, to the Pros and Content Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Bolton, and today we're lucky to have Mallory Russell, who is the Head of Content Marketing at Square. Uh, Mallory, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Uh, very excited to have you uh, on board. Uh, Square, I think, is one of those companies that everyone always thinks of as like, oh, that's what I use when I go and get my coffee or I check out at the restaurant or things like that. Um, but I know you guys do you know, so much more. Um, talk to us a little bit about Square's kind of journey from like point of sale to all the different things that you're doing to help businesses these days. Yeah. Um, it's funny you say that. I wish if, if this was an audio, there's like a specific hand motion of like swiping a credit card that I usually make <laughs> when I tell people I work at Square yeah. because then they totally understand what I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, we're way more than just that little white reader. That is where we started. Um, and that was in the last recession. It came about during that time that, you know, people needed a way to still take payments and, and we made that possible with a little white reader. But now we have all of these tools that really just allow you to run your business pretty holistically and we integrate with a lot of partners. So there's the point of sale and the payments piece. We have marketing tools, payroll tools. Um, we make point of sales for specific industries. We do invoice and there's kind of anything you need to do as a business. We provide the tools to be able to do that. Um, which is for a content marketer, like a really exciting place to work because it means we just get to talk about business. Uh, we kind of have our hands in so many places that there's nothing that doesn't feel out of bounds when it comes to like starting or running or growing a business. So that's made it a really interesting place for me to work over four years because there's so many stories to tell and so many things to teach that we're never really running out of ideas. Yeah, that's awesome. It's uh, definitely a rich, uh, a rich story-led uh, journey that you can take people through, um, in in doing it through the lens of a business, which you know most of the people, I'm sure, I should say, a lot of people that you uh, have as clients are entrepreneurs or small businesses, mm -hmm. and they they latch onto those types of things. Tell us a little bit about the the journey that you've had at Square. You said you've been there for almost four years, and we were just kind of joking before this started that that's you know like an eternity in the tech in the tech world. Yeah. <laughs> tell us, tell us about the journey from when you first started, how the team was structured um, mm -hmm. to today, and how you feel like that has been indicative of of the focus on content at Square. Yeah, absolutely. I was hired in almost four years ago on something that was it really had all the pieces to be a content marketing team. That's not what we called it, but it's definitely what we were doing. Um, I was the sole person running editorial at the time, so Square has and has had for long before I was there, um, a resource center where we provide education for business owners and, and tell stories of business owners. 
I was running that. We had a social media person. We had someone looking at lead generation and nurturing uh, SEO team, web strategists, um, someone doing kind of like brand and content distribution. So we were, we were functioning as a content marketing team. We were doing it, but that's not what we called ourselves. We were really focused on acquisition. So the only number that mattered was the acquisition number, hmm. um, which is, uh, I can go into in a minute why, why that specifically has changed. Um, that team got disbanded, you know, structures change. We were all f- functioning as kind of standalone units um, until a little over a year ago. And I was running a, a bigger editorial team, <laughs> like three or four people. Mm-hmm. Um, and we decided to move the the lead generation team in with mine. So then we had lead generation and, and editorial and since then, we've really built out the entire team. So now we have editorial strategy, lead generation, social media is now within our team. Uh, we have editorial specialists, so people who focus on really specific types of content creation. And then operations, because when you have a team that big, you need someone thinking about how things work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now we're, we're a team of 15. We'll probably be 20 by the end of the year. And, and building out what we think a content marketing team means at Square. Um, as the numbers have grown and over time, we've also shifted the way we think about goal setting. So acquisition is always important, but content marketing is really like a full funnel um, discipline, right? Mm-hmm. It works at the top. It works at the bottom. You have to think about the entire journey. And so we're looking at a lot more, a lot of different metrics to determine how we're successful. And sometimes that's within like a, you know, a brand campaign. And we're thinking about like metrics that are based around brand perceptions and how people view Square um, in something a bit more performance focused. We'll look at at acquisition. Uh, <laughs> measurement's super hard for content marketers. We all know this. Mm-hmm. And yep. I, I think we're trying to kind of innovate in that place and figure out what it what it is that we provide value for the brand and like kind of like a holistic way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then how do we play in each of these programs that are done by this broader marketing team? So it's changed a ton since I started. Yeah, and it's interesting that you have you know lead gen team kind of within the content team. Um, it's uh, it's a very progressive way of, of thinking about it, and I, I like how you're talking about how you know content use is used throughout the consumer journey or throughout the funnel, whatever you're calling it. Um, uh, it's something obviously not just focused on, on from the measurement perspective, but it's also this idea of it can't be a one size fits all measurement scheme because you've got content that sits in the upper funnel and it is awareness and perception. You've got content that sits in the mid funnel and it's like utility, like how are we helping people? And then you've got content that is very lead gen, like let's get people to click right now. And I think all too often content teams get pigeonholed into that last one in the bottom and the importance of the middle and the upper gets lost a bit. How do you kind of like, how do you as a team um, create a framework from a reporting perspective or when you're reporting back to your bosses and the people that are, you know, doling out the budgets, the importance of that mid and upper when you also have that lower funnel result to look at? Yeah, I, I think in the content marketing, the way that we think about measurement mirrors mm-hmm. the way like a marketing team should think about it. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have buy-in for your marketing team to do brand and awareness tactics, it's going to be really hard to get the buy-in on the content side as well. Mm-hmm. So those things have to go hand in hand. And we fortunately do have that. We've talked to, I mean, our organization is on board with the idea of doing this full funnel approach because 
if you're just focused on acquisition, that's, that's how a lot of startups and tech companies start in particular is you focus on that acquisition, that direct response um, section of content. Get get those SQLs. (laughs) Yeah, totally. But, but what happens is, you know, you, you get actually much more efficient if you're building the top of the funnel and you're creating a pipeline of people to drive into that. Uh, Content does that incredibly well. So we, I tend to think about it as, you got to you have to build a lot of that content at the top because there's a no, so many different ways that a person can engage with your brand but it all funnels down to a very small set of of conversion content usually um and i'm i'm fortunate at square that like we have buy in across the organization on that way of looking at things um that is newer we're over the past few years kind of waiting into awareness this year we did our first brand campaign um but it's you can't have one without the other. Your whole marketing team has to be on in on it if you want to do it for content marketing. Yeah, tell us a little bit about that first brand campaign because that's a, an interesting yeah. interesting milestone. Yeah, uh, super proud of the work done across the marketing team. So it's led by our brand team, but it really started with a a campaign and project being done on our social media channels. So we'd always planned to do a brand campaign this year, but. Obviously, when COVID happened itch, in March, itch, like, itch, itch. a little bit of a yeah. pivot. <laughs> yeah, we had to pivot, and and that doesn't mean necessarily that everything we planned went away. It just means we had to think about everything really differently. So we did put a, a brand campaign on hold, um, while we were kind of addressing the real need of the moment, which is like, how do we make sure we help um, small businesses stay in business and give them the solutions they need to do what they need to do in March, April as, as we are sheltering in place. Um, during that time, our social media team started, they were doing a lot of kind of informational posts. So just like, here are the tools we have, here's where the information is. And our creative team came to our social media team and said, we have this idea for, for something that might be interesting. It was in to interview small business owners um, over audio, do these really short clips just to have, let them, talk about what they were experiencing. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't have to do anything with product. Just like, are you having a hard time? Did you have to lay off your employees? Like, we want to hear about that. Are you, mm-hmm. have you shifted your entire business and you're actually doing better than before? Mm-hmm. Which we did hear sometimes. And I love the idea of using audio for that too, because yes. I feel like there's something very like grounding for people who are having like high stress moments to hear someone else talking mm-hmm. about something versus like reading text, you know? Totally. And, and it, some, in some ways it was, it was forced because we couldn't go out and film. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we could only do things virtually and like we could, we could have done a, you know, video call or whatever, but it felt just a lighter lift to do audio with these people mm-hmm. who were incredibly busy. So we did some of those, they started editing them. They ended up between like a minute, minute and a half. Um, and we just got such great response from them and internally there were there was a group of us who just had this kind of gut feeling that this was something that had a lot of legs. It felt so authentic to our brand and to the moment. And um, it was something that felt like it was really in service to our customers. Uh, and so there were a few of us who came in and my, my initial instinct was, oh, this is a podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we've been trying to do a podcast for about four years at Square and never had found the right Podca- concept. Podca- podcasts are tough, I'll tell you. you know? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so I took, I took that, my team and I started working on that. And our, the head of brand came in and she said, I think this is a, a brand campaign and started working on the strategy around that. So the brand campaign developed very much in, it was in the social project was an inspiration for it. Um, mm-hmm. We found all of these small business owners across the country. We went and did, uh, we did short interviews with them um, and produced TV spots and radio spots. Even the TV spots though are not filmed. It's audio with visuals. Mm-hmm. So it's very much true that what we felt was coming out in the audio, which was like people were really raw and real um, in a way that I don't know that we've, we've had them be in the same way on video before. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that started up um, in August and we're still running um, that and had really, really great response to it. And then we launched our podcast in July and it's a take on it. Uh, it's not exactly the same. We don't just have people come in and tell their stories, but we bring in groups of business owners to talk to each other about what they're experiencing in any given topic. So it's not just about COVID. It's, it's about whatever is, is in their lives at the moment. Um, it's been really super interesting. We're about five episodes in, um, and we'll probably, we'll continue it into next year. Um, but what I think what we found through all this is it's a real way to show, to highlight our customers, to build community with, within that customer group. Um, and to, to at least show that we, or understand and we empathize with what they're going through. And it's, that is what's most important to us because it is internally. Um, we want to make sure that they can do their jobs, that they can grow the way they want to, um, that they have people to turn to when they are having a hard time, like during COVID and didn't, didn't know what to do next. Um, we want to be those people for them. Yeah. And I mean, that's a fantastic representation of what we were just talking about of that upper funnel like building those relationships and building those emotional connections with people that are existing mm-hmm. clients that hopefully increases that bond but then also from attracting new clients and new prospects into that kind of that 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 that, that feeling um yeah. is is really important go down a level then when you start thinking about you know okay we have this amazing brand campaign Talked about the content that's a little bit more utility focused, um, like that mm-hmm. mid funnel. Like, like, how do you go about figuring out what to write? What kind of content are you creating? Is it video? Is it audio? Is it is it written? Yeah. How are you distributing it? That sort of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the kind of next piece down, we like to talk about solutions. We have so many products that mm-hmm. for us, it's about again, I think taking a very um, customer first mindset. It's about what they need and what they want. And then we will figure out how our message fits into it. It's, it's not the other way around, at least particularly for my team, that's how we approach everything. And so the next step down is really about solutions. It's what do you need to do and how can we make it happen? And that might be one product. It might be a bundle of products. Um, our, our brand team runs campaigns around this concept. We're in market with it now. But the way that we translate that for editorial is slightly differently, uh, different than the the work that the goes on more traditional channels. Um, it's all kind of in our editorial strategy. I'm like a really big believer in having foundational strategies and frameworks um, available because that's what allows you to do work that feels super consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
we kind of think it around, around key pillars and those pillars have guided us since about March and will continue to guide us through probably the next year, I would guess, because those, those concerns are going to be similar. And then we have personas um, that kind of overlay with the pillars. Mm -hmm. So it's still not like, here's, <laughs> you should buy this product to do this thing. It's very much couched in the, in the customer experience. So we try to pull in um, thought leaders, uh, what we call sellers, small business owners, to talk about what they're experiencing and kind of weave themes throughout. So if, you know, one of the things that the campaign or we want to talk about is like our ability to help people sell online, um, we might talk about not just setting up your online store, but kind of like the, you know, more complicated topics, like how do you do inventory for online when you're also doing it in person? We really try to dig in and understand where the pain points are going to be for people and then produce that way. Um, and so far so good. We get our, our, we think a lot about shifting perceptions when we're doing this kind of work as well as, um, you know, driving people further down the funnel. Um, and we've been really successful with content on this front. I think it's been a really great driver for the brand overall because it does allow us people to get to know us and to see, um, how we're trying to be of service to them more so I think than some traditional channels. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in thinking about channels, so obviously you have all the content that exists on the dot .com, um, which is extensive mm -hmm. between blog, community, support, you know, solution pages, things like that. And then you've also begun working with external publisher partners, uh, doing more branded content. What was that decision like? And, and what are you looking for in those types of partnerships? Yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah, my team runs our own, our own channels for that. It's our resource center, social media, YouTube. Mm -hmm. podcasts. And then we've started to do a lot more branded content over the last year. Mm -hmm. That's really a conversation between, you know, my team and the brand team, because mm -hmm. we both have kind of different things we want to accomplish, but they're not opposed. Um, the brand team is running a campaign. And so they need to reach those goals of that campaign. And they usually have to do with reach and finding new audiences and um, alignment of the publisher brand with our own. We also think about that, the alignment of the brand with our own. We're also trying to often leverage um, the authority of those those brand partners on certain topics. Um, maybe things that we haven't like rushed into quite yet. Um, and and we're really looking at how they produce content from an editorial perspective, what that that voice looks like, and see if we can kind of leverage some of that. Um, mm -hmm. And even potentially use it sometimes on our own channels. Yeah. So it's really, but it's really a conversation between the two teams because I think there's like a media perspective, there's a brand perspective, there's a content perspective, and all of those ladder into the decision. Yeah, and that's great that you have the the teamwork between those different groups yeah. to make that happen. I think that uh, all too often, in some cases, we see the media team running on a paid brand content publisher driven campaign. And there can be a bit of a disconnect and sometimes even in the messaging that's on their own site. And that becomes a bit of a non sequitur experience for a consumer who may have like encountered the brand out on a publisher. And then also they end up on their site and they're like, oh, this feels different. So mm -hmm. it's very important to have that kind of like connective tissue between them. Totally. Our t my team is very involved in the creation of branded content when we work with publishers and, and really steers the, everything from the, the concept to the actual production of it. Um, 
now I think like working in that integrated way is not easy and you have to really develop your swim lanes and, mm-hmm. and be willing to have really open, honest conversations with each other. But it's so much more rewarding, I think, both personally, but also in terms of the results that you see. Speaking of results, uh, slightly different results, but with all the new content that's been coming onto the site, and I would feel like during the last few months, a, a, a bit of thirst of information. Have you seen mm-hmm. like traffic go up, go up uh, uh, substantially or what is an engagement change at all? Yeah, across the site. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the interesting things is like, I think like most content marketing programs, well, I think at least most content marketing mm-hmm. programs should have a foundation in SEO. Mm-hmm. Like you should be building up your organic demand um, before you start wading into things like um, like native and doing kind of the more brand focused work. You need mm-hmm. that, that constant traffic driving people in. What we have seen is like some of that has shifted. It hasn't been means we're doing less. It's just like the things that are trending are different mm-hmm. than they were before. Um, and we always had kind of a, like a stable of content workhorses for us that, that drove a lot of traffic. And those yep. have changed because the cus- the customer is changing. Consumers are changing what they're actually thinking about, um, which I think has been really fascinating. And then um, we have put more spend behind distributing distributing content overall. So the um, what our traffic looks like and where it's coming from does look pretty different from, than it did pre-COVID. What has some of the changing tastes been as far as what you found as being popular? Just curious. Um, I'm trying to think the last the last time I looked, there was one in particular that really struck me. Um, I mean, there's more interest around online topics than there was before. Mm-hmm. You know, I think companies like ours and, and our competitors have been telling um, small businesses to go online for a long time. And this was really like, they kind of had to start going online. And so those, those have been different. Um, lots of things around like inventory and supply chain, like they're the things that people had to fundamentally shift their mindset to approach. Um, supply chain was a big uh, issue for a lot of small business owners, particularly at the beginning mm-hmm. of COVID because of where they were getting their inventory from. And so totally. thinking about that differently. Um, and then over, I mean, we we produced content specifically to to talk to people during COVID. So you have things about um, resources and um, PPP and all of that. That mm-hmm. definitely changed how people are coming into the site. Mm-hmm. And then you were talking about distribution as well and in getting content out. Like, what what mechanisms have you found to be the most successful? Um, you know, what what are the what are the ways that you're getting eyeballs to this content other than yeah. the organic SEO side of things? Yeah, um, native has been really great for us. Um, like I said, we've done native actually for a number of years, um, mm-hmm. and it's I think it's and only it's like gotten out, stronger. Traditional like outbrain taboola that type of stuff, like driving people um, back to the mothership or engaging people. Often out engaging on a people out on a publisher, sometimes mm-hmm. driving back in. It depends mm-hmm. on the partner we work with. Mm-hmm. Um, we are working with more partners just across the board for content distribution, which I think is fantastic. That's awesome. Um, Social always is a big driver for content. Um, that one is super efficient, super super efficient. Um, do you also do you also view social as more of like in feed engagement, or is it kind of grab them there and then bring them back? Or I both? think both. I mean, mm-hmm. I view. I think you know I come from the editorial side, so I was def like 
in a former life. Definitely when I was thinking about that, I was thinking about like the article, the the hub, the guide, the video, whatever. Mm -hmm. But having social join our team, you know, they're producing content also within those those feeds. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're not usually just distributing the things that happen on our resource center. They're actually producing work that lives on the social channels. The audio stories is a really good example of that. Um, And so engagement on those is also really great. But, you know, social's changed a lot too. So you, you kind of have to do some paid support on social to really see um, the reach because Mm -hmm. organic channels just aren't given the same pride of place in, um, in algorithms that they once were. So social is paid. Like, let's be clear. Yeah. It's, a, it's a network. Yeah. <laughs> you know, totally. uh, the, the days of like, mm-hmm. oh, I've got this many followers. They're going to hear me yeah. is, is, is gone. Um, but it's good to have that that kind of combination approach of, you know, engage in the channel, but then also being able to, to, to draw people back in. And there's a lot more data to be had that way as well. You know, totally. I mean, I, I always believe this, but I think it's just my belief and this has gotten stronger over mm-hmm. the years, which is like, you have to meet people where they are. Mm hmm. And, and let them engage where they are, um, trying to drive them back to a channel just because it checks off on some goal that you have. Like, it, it's not going to be the most effective over time because it's you're forcing behavior that they don't really want. They're not going to do it again. And the goal really is to get repeat engagement in my, in my thought process, at least, is mm-hmm. content marketing has the power to build relationships. And so you want to get people engaging with you repeatedly over time. Mm-hmm. Is that a metric that you report back on or is that you kind of cite that as successful or is that your kind of like North Star that you want to you kind of keep in the back of your head at all times? It's not yet, but it's something that I'm thinking a lot about, um, mm-hmm. particularly as we build out things like podcasts and we're investing a lot in development of our YouTube channel. But at the same time, we also have IGTV and mm-hmm. how do you connect all of these things together? You know, um, so audience and building an audience, engaged audience is something that I'm thinking a lot about for, for the next year. Got it. Um, which is a good segue uh, into the next question, which is at, over the next year, <laughs> what are some of the things that you are kind of most excited about beyond that audience piece? Like what are, what are the things that you feel like are going to continue to evolve rapidly um, within the, the Square content team? Yeah. Um, I'm really excited to build out the team more. Mm-hmm. I think what, this year has been so interesting for everyone, obviously. I'm going to say interesting because that's the nicest interesting way to say it. Interesting, isn't it? Well, um, it's, it's, it encapsulates it for sure. I sometimes use less <laughs> nice language to describe it. But, um, you know, I was thinking, I go back to our our 2020 strategy all the time. I don't think our actual strategy changed at all for, 20, mm-hmm. for 2020. I think how we had to think about the tactics changed. I think what we were communicating changed. Um, and, and, and that to me is really interesting to think about that. Like, I think our strategy was so focused on the needs of our customers that like, we didn't really have to shift it drastically for COVID. It was just about the details. Mm -hmm. So for 2021, I am excited to think about what that means in the future. I think, um, and how we evolve that strategy to be more in line with what I think I've seen people respond to this year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about building out new types of content um, where appropriate. So we never build out content just to build it. Like we waited four years to do a podcast because we didn't have the right idea and the right strategy. So building out new types of content, um, 
building the team to support that, um, which I think is, means a lot of new disciplines in my book, uh, which is really exciting. Cause if you, if, if you Google something like content marketing team, yeah, yeah. Um, there's no real answer. <laughs> like mm-hmm. a lot of other teams have very set structures for like what is involved in a brand team or, yep. you know, what's on an analytics team. Content marketing is no one does it the same way because it's different at every company you go to. Mm-hmm. And so building that out to address the strategy, I think is going to be really exciting. And I, I think it's going to allow us to do a lot of really cool stuff. Um, I'm excited to keep moving forward with with the podcast that we've produced and, and hopefully think about more that we could do in the future. Um, we've taken some big bets on video, which isn't new for anyone, but like true editorial video and creating a place where people can engage with that is, is something that we're really committed to. And um, yeah, I guess I, I'm excited to maybe start over a little bit. <laughs> 2021, yeah. 21. <laughs> yeah. It's going to, 2021 it's going to be a very interesting uh new year's eve i feel like because uh, yeah. it'll feel like we're leaving like the worst year behind but there'll still be a lot of uncertainty for the new year but you just hopefully we'll be able to see the light at the end of the tunnel ish yeah by that time yeah. And how do you keep the brand communicating at that speed and in 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 being responsive right. to what people want is going to be you know super tough it's going to be challenging for sure i think there's a commitment on my end for my team to kind of refocus on the foundations of what we do, mm-hmm. um, our own channels, the, the processes and systems that we have that allow for scalable content production and, um, and really making sure that we keep the customer at the center of that. Mm-hmm. Just mentioned the scalable uh, processes and whatnot. I think that that's one yeah. thing that a lot of... Um, a lot of brands were caught off. Well, some brands were caught off guard by um, with COVID, and others were super prepared. There was a few in between, but this idea of like, oh my goodness, like we actually have to be producing content at at a, at a clip that we have not been at past in the past in order to maintain yeah. relevance because the situation is changing so quickly. You sound like you have it had a pretty decent team installed in, in inside Square already. Mm-hmm. What were some of the kind of like oh shit moments of? we don't have x or i need this now like take us back to that um well i'm going to say something that like maybe maybe it's controversial i don't really know i get asked a lot like how do we increase the speed and velocity of content it's my least favorite question Mm -hmm. i don't believe that you should Mm -hmm. um because i think there's too much content in the world and so the goal of my team is not to add to the noise it's to produce the things one that will um that are really necessary and of quality and will move the the business metrics Mm -hmm. but two like the things that our customers actually want to hear from us um and like i think covid was the clearest example of of this in practice which is Mm -hmm. you know covid happened there were a lot of content marketing teams i saw this across industries like producing resources and like restating health guidelines and all Mm -hmm. that. And my team basically said, we are not going to do any of that. Mm. That's not what they need from us. We are not the CDC. We will send them to health experts to to learn about that. We'll link out to that through hub pages. Mm -hmm. What the content we should be producing is what they want to hear from us, which is like, how do I keep selling and do that safely? (laughs) Um, 
And so we didn't really need to produce tons of content to do that. It was a few really key pieces based on how we knew we were like distributing content to people because we also Mm -hmm. closed down our communication channels um, quite a bit. Mm -hmm. We're really specific about what we were sending out um, and how much because we didn't want to overload people. So we produced really specifically for the channels we were really distributing um, and and did very targeted pieces. Um, And that's kind of our approach all the time, which is we don't need to produce more. We just need to produce the right things. Mm-hmm. And that's, if you do that, you can react in real time because you're not trying to like boil the ocean and produce 20 new pieces. You're trying to produce, you know, one to five that really address the needs of your customer. So I think it's really about slowing things down. Actually, when yeah. things get very tense, you slow it down a little bit and you say, okay, what is actually going to reach the goal that we have? Not let's just produce a lot of things because it makes us feel better. If, like we're doing something. Yeah, I like that. That's, uh, wise, wise words um, for sure. Um, when you're thinking about the needs of your customers, what sort of kind of sensing mechanisms or research mechanisms do you have to to get that data? Is it you know, is it just looking at SEO? Is it you know, communications, people emailing or chats or like like how deep do you guys go? Oh gosh, it's so much. Oh, yeah. um, and it depends, like, what we're pulling insights for. But, like, mm-hmm. for instance, we redid our editorial strategy and our personas in the past few months. Um, and for that, we looked at our own first-party insights. So we have a brand insights team who's constantly mm-hmm. talking with customers. We pull from that. We pull from SEO. We pull from, for instance, like, the branded content we work, work we did and we measure with Notch. Like, we pull insights from that and pull it in. We look at other third party research happening, um, whether that's about small business or consumers, because mm-hmm. we're in a unique situation that small businesses in many ways do act like consumers. And so it's not a pure B2B play for us. It's, it's a hybrid B2B, B2C. Mm-hmm. And we play, we take all of that and funnel it into whatever we're doing. Um, which, has proved really effective and I think has allowed us to see the white space that exists for us um, in a really competitive, particularly competitive content market. Um, There's a lot of business, a lot of businesses that address small businesses. And so trying to break through is really difficult. Um, But having all of those insights come into us and we're really thinking about a person in 360 has been incredibly helpful. So at the end of the day, Make less, more impactful content. Listen to what your customers really want, and you're and you'll be all good. That the yep. is that that boil it down. <laughs> Pretty much. That's, and and I mean the other thing that my team would say I always say, I actually have a sticker on my computer that says this, which is what's the distribution? So like content won't you know you you can't build it and they will come like that's mm-hmm. not a thing mm-hmm. until you're like the New York Times, but we're not. So you have to think about how you're actually going to get the people there too. So. Yeah. Where do you, you add that one in? You captured my core tenets of content marketing. Okay. Where do you get the uh, what's the distribution sticker? Is that on a Square uh, site somewhere? Can that it's you? Do no, you I sell that? I should. I have a whole stack of them. I, our um, our media agency made them for me. Got it. <laughs> I love it. 
Um, fantastic. Well, this has been a really great conversation. Um, I've really enjoyed it. Uh, I think uh, our listeners will hopefully enjoy it as well. Um, so Mallory, thank you so much for being with us today. Um, keep up the good work out there. Um, and we'll just keep forging towards 2021 and we'll see where we're at. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yep. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to another episode of Pros and Content. We hope you enjoyed this conversation with Mallory Russell, the head of content marketing at Square. Mallory knows that content needs to be solutions oriented. It's all about pinpointing what your customers' pain points are and creating content that helps solve those problems and let them get back to doing their own jobs most effectively. It's a big responsibility being a company that people turn to in times of stress, but it's one Mallory and her team have taken on admirably. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe. And if you have any suggestions or feedback, you can find me at ray at notch.com. Visit us at prosandcontent.co to find more amazing content about, well, content. And tune in next time.